Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn. Friday on The Horn, hook them up with Ian Rodby into the Super Bowl, Super Bowl weekend, all the festivities that go along with that. Um, we've also got Longhorn basketball in action tomorrow. Pretty much a must-win game for the Horns against uh, West Virginia. Moody Center tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. That needs to be a W. Now, if you're looking at the standings, West Virginia at the very bottom along with Oklahoma State. Longhorns play those two teams in the coming weeks. But they've got to they win the games they should win. And this is one of those, without a doubt, uh, tomorrow afternoon, 2 o'clock at the Mood. Uh, Texas women also in action tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock at uh, TCU. They're climbing into the top ten now. They're up to number seven mm. after that big week they had. And they've had the week off to kind of get uh, get their legs under them a little bit. They haven't had, didn't have a midweek game. Longhorn men won't have a midweek game next week, Rod. They're okay. going to get their chance to get a, get a breather. Yeah. And that's why I said that lost Iowa State was so critical, just that poor per first half uh, because, you know, you beat West Virginia. Then you got a week off to go to Houston. We're going to play the Cougs. Uh, week oh, from yeah. Saturday. So uh, we'll be talking some college hoops. And Brad was talking NBA. Is Luka Doncic an MVP candidate? But obviously a lot of football conversation is Rod's going to take us behind the burn orange curtain. Well, as you were did in our first hour, Rod, in the 6 o'clock hour, you talked about how Kyle Shanahan's offense, Steve Sarkeesian borrowing oh, for yeah. his Longhorn offense. And you, so if you're watching the when you watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, uh, watch the formations, watch the offense. I think you'll see a lot of uh, similarities between what Coach Sark wants to do mm-hmm. with his Texas offense in coming years and certainly this year uh, with, the, with the speed they have and a, and a veteran quarterback uh, like, like Quinn Ewer. So we're talking all things. Also, the Cowboys have a new D.C. Let's get to the headlines. If you're just joining us here in the 8 o'clock hour, top stories to make sure you're fully aware as you get up and out. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequin will bring you the top news. And, yeah, the top players and plays and coaches and moments of the 2023 season were recognized last night in Las Vegas. It was the NFL Honors uh, Night. Uh, Baltimore quarterback Lamar Jackson claimed the most prestigious award, um, on the field award at least. They took He took home the MVP for the second time. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott finished second in the voting, but nearly unanimous for Lamar Jackson. He got 49 of the 50 first-place votes. Uh, Niners running back Christian McCaffrey took home Offensive Player of the Year honors, while Cleveland Browns defensive end, the uh, former Texas A&M star, Miles Garrett, named the best league's best defensive player. Houston Texans swept the Rookie of the Year category. Their star young quarterback, uh, C.J. Stroud, claims Offensive Rookie of the Year, and defensive end Will Anderson, who was picked one draft pick after him in the first round last year, was named the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Houston's first-year head coach, D'Amico Ryans, came up one vote shy of winning the league's Coach of the Year award. Instead, he settles for second behind Kevin Stefanski of Cleveland, Browns quarterback Joe Flacco, Named the comeback player of the year. And Pittsburgh lineman, uh, Steelers lineman Cameron Hayward capped off the night. He was named the Walter Payton Man 
of the year. Also last night, 2024 Pro Football Hall of Fame class was revealed. Seven-player class includes a lifetime Longhorn and a first-time ever Houston Texan. Former Longhorn defensive tackle Steve McMichael is finally Hall of Fame bound. McMichael started Texas from 76 through 79 and had a 15-year NFL career. He was a stalwart on the dominating Chicago Bears defenses of the 80s. His wife, Misty, stood him in for him last night as the 66-year-old continues his battle with ALS. I thought we were going to play Misty McMichael there. So now the Longhorns uh, officially will have six uh, members in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That is correct. Uh, between Earl Campbell, Bob, Bobby Lane, Bobby Dillon, Tech Schramm, and the great Tom Landry. And now, of course, Steve Bam Bam. Mongo. Yeah, and uh, I, let me play this for you. This is Misty McMichael, and, of course, she has uh, championed her husband as he battles ALS getting into the Hall of Fame. He's been on the ballot for a while. He gets voted in by the Veterans Committee, and she was there last night uh, to stand in for him, and here's what she had to say after. Well, thank you, Chicago. You guys have been so supportive through all these years of um, him being nominated and finally being inducted. Um, it's bittersweet because of the situation he's in. I wish he could be here himself, but um, I know he's watching from home and he's got his teammates around him, and we're just so happy, better late than never, you know? And, um, yeah, it's a lot of emotions there, but all good. Well, you know, I've never worked so hard in my life, but it was for a great cause. It was for the best man I've ever known. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to do what I do for him. He's taking care of me, our whole marriage. We've been married 23 years in March, 26 years together. So I'm happy to do this for him. It's been a pleasure. All right, there's Misty McMichael mm -hmm. and Mongo going in the Hall of Fame. And the hope is he'll, he'll make it yeah. to the induction in August, August 3rd. But, you know, there's no guarantee of that, yeah. that dreaded disease. Yeah, well, I, I still I, I know it meant a lot to him and to his family that he get that acknowledgement before. Um, you know, obviously he passed on, uh, but he is not yet, but uh, he, he's in struggling health um, and in very poor health at this time. So uh, I don't know if he will, but I'm glad that the Pro Football, the Hall of Fame committee did the right thing. Well, and it's amazing that, that he, as she just said, he was watching with his teammates and uh, got to see it and, uh, you know, quite the honor. And obviously, you know, I, I, I want to say I'm surprised he's here because I was told during the football season he was doing really, he was bad. Doing really bad. Yeah. Like touch and go. And so, gosh, thank goodness he made it to this point. And now you now August 3rd in Canton, Ohio, will be the induction. And uh, let's hope he can, can cross our fingers, prayers, that he can make it to that. Uh, one person who will make it to that induction uh, with the seven-person class rod will be Andre Johnson, uh, the Houston Texans' greatest yes, offensive player of all time. J.J. Watt, the greatest defensive <laughs> player. He'll go in on the first ballot when he's uh, able coming up in a couple of years. But Andre Johnson, let's play this audio. This is pretty good. This is Chris Carter. The, uh, the NFL <laughs> Hall of Famer uh, knocking on Andre Johnson's door to oh, inform yeah, him awesome. that he's going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm a part of it. We want to welcome you to football heaven. 
football heaven. He was in tears, obviously. That's he what should it, have been. You can't imagine. I mean, Rod, you played in the NFL, and that's an achievement to oh, that's itself. The, yeah, I mean, it's everybody's. If you dream of playing in that league, and you dreamt of being a Hall of Famer. I mean, can you it, imagine? It, that's the 1% of the 1%. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, because very few actually yeah. get that chance to do what you did and play in the league. And uh, and other quarterbacks he had, you know, that just and nothing against those quarterbacks. I'm trying to insult them. That's not the point of this. But he never played with elite quarterbacks. I mean, Matt Schaub was the best quarterback he played with, and Matt Schaub was a good quarterback. But, man, the quarterbacks from 2003-2014, here are the Andre Johnson QBs. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jake Delhomme, Matt Schaub, Matt Leinert, Sage Rosenfels, Case Keenum, Tony Banks, David Carr, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, Tom Savage, Dave Ragone, and Rex freaking Grossman. Dave Ragone. These are all the quarterbacks that Andre Johnson had to deal with. Or as I called him, Dave Ragarm. Yeah, exactly. Come on, man. Come on, shop job. We saw some uh, – this is why this whole C.J. Stroud thing is it's, you know, a revelation. It's like, it what, really is. Good quarterback play in that uniform? Yeah. What are we talking about? It's crazy. It's like Matt Schaub was a good player. Um, he was a good player. But, he made a pro bowl or something. But, but you know, I'm a bitter Houston fan. So, I, when I think of Matt Schaub, I think that uh, Gary Kubiak turned down Peyton Manning to keep Matt Schaub, which still drives me crazy. Like, what, we did what? Yeah. We did what? Peyton yeah. Manning, when he left the Colts, when he had the neck issue going and they had the number one pick for Andrew Luck, his first choice was Houston. And they said, nah, nah we're good. We got Matt good. Schaub. We got Schaub job here. Just oh. like in 2005 when they had David Carr and they didn't take Aaron Rodgers because they had David Carr. Oh, Come on, man. Why are we reliving what this? Are we, and Vince Young. No. Vince Young. Mm. Well. Don't remind me. Is CJ going to make it all better? That becomes the question. And uh, he's already we, made it all better. Well, at least he, 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 he started. Hey, anyway. it's still Houston. Let's, let's, know, let's, let's, let's let this saying. thing keep going. He yeah, looks like the future's bright. Watson too. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> yeah. See, that's a low blow. That's a low blow. That's but it is unnecessary. True. It's it's still Houston after all. You never know. But uh, Houston football, we've still never been in a Super Bowl. Uh, one of these days, Cowboys have been in a bunch of Super Bowls, and not for a while though. And I wanted to play this for you too, Rod, because uh, this is. I, I said we'd find this audio. This was um, uh, this is on that show Shannon Sharp does. Shannon Sharp, I don't even know oh, the, yeah, the names yeah. of them all. Get no, confused. Right. And they're all out in Vegas. They're all doing their shows live. And so Demarcus Lawrence was sitting with, with the, the crew and listened to Shannon Sharp's question of Demarcus Lawrence and then his answer of why the Cowboys aren't playing in Vegas and why they didn't make a longer run in the postseason. You mentioned how you wish your team was here. Mm-hmm. What happened and why your team isn't here? Uh, all honesty, I think the main thing is we was burned out, man. Uh, you know, long season, um, team dominantly healthy throughout the season. You know, um, the legs get tired, but also, um, you know, you got to give hats off to Green Bay, man. They came out with a great game plan, um, you know, rolling out towards Micah and then running away from me. I feel like, you know, that's that's what they needed to, you know, get their game started, and they jumped on us fast. And What about adjustments? Yeah, adjustments, man. Uh, you know, feel like we went in the locker room and, you know, we came out, you know, ready with our adjustments, but uh, still didn't go the way that we planned it to go. Wow. <laughs> he basically claiming they were burnt out? Burned out is why they didn't win. Wow. That's – that, <laughs> that don't right sound answer. good. Yeah, that's just – that's a bad answer, man. That's a bad answer. Yeah, he's I, saying I, that, like, every team hasn't played the same amount of games at that point. Exactly. Yeah, Packers have played the same amount of games. Uh, that just – yeah, that sounds like a – that's a terrible excuse, too. I just think we were burnt out. Oh, man. Like, that's the most this is the most important game of the season, and you were burnt out. Yeah, it doesn't say a lot about the motivational uh, 
influence of Mike McCarthy, number one. That's that reflects badly. And if you're you, your strength and conditioning program, your guys should be, you, you should at that point be crescendoing toward playing your best football. That's what Green Bay did. Yeah, that's they exactly were, right. They, play, they were playing their best football at that time. You want to be peaking at the right time. So that's an organizational failure. You guys need to be peaking as soon as you hit the playoffs, and they weren't peaking. You can say the same thing about San Fran. San Fran's not peaking right now, and maybe they're not peaking, but maybe their quarterback is learning how to win in clutch time. So that's an added bonus, something that Shano has not had access to since he's been the head coach there. But, man, for them to, oh, to, feel them to say that they're experiencing burnout, yeah, that's a, that's bad. It's bad on leadership too. The leadership of the team. And he's one, that's the whole thing. When when he said it, I was like, that's one of the that's the tip of the spear. He's he knows for leadership. I mean, wow. that is when you talk about if you talk to you know, Cowboys insiders, who's, the, who's their their driving engine, especially on defense. It's it's Tank Lawrence. Tank Lawrence for him to say we were burnt out, burnt long out. season, tired legs. It's like long oh. season. I was like, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course it is. That's, that's the whole point of it, that you eliminate everybody. All the weak, all the weak pretenders are eliminated. It's postseason time, baby. And I think the Cowboys were, they were a bit of a pretender this year, unfortunately. They were a pretender. That's what it turns out to be. And uh, for Green Bay, with a, with a first-time quarterback starting in the playoffs and uh, the youngest roster in the NFC to beat the Cowboys like that at home, yeah, man, that was, uh, that was embarrassing. Yeah. And I, I, if I was Tank, I, man, he shouldn't even said that. I love Tank too. <laughs> he should have just said I we got beat. I'd be like, we got beat, man. They were a great team. And he said that, but he, the, man, the burnout thing. Whew. Well, and earlier, if you were didn't hear our seven o'clock hour, we had Emmett Smith on Radio Row saying he thinks uh, Dak's problem is lack of preparation. Like, really, we got lack of preparation. We got burnout. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? What here? is happening? But uh, yeah, and and you had more All Pros than anybody else in the league, so you had more talent. And even at the awards show, you were well represented at the NFL Awards because two you, of the final five for defense, MVP, and an offensive candidate with CeeDee Lamb. So, so that's you had four of the best more, players in the entire league. So that's without a, and nine Pro Bowlers on or All Pros on top. That's of it. more than Kansas City or San Fran, who are both in the Super Bowl. So talent was not your issue. Hey, Brock, Brock, I just sent you another piece of sound. Can we play this, too? Because I have a question for you, too. Because last night it was Christian McCaffrey was voted as the uh, offensive player player of the year. We knew that would be a close vote with Tyreek Hill, C.D. Lamb. Both had great seasons. And, uh, see, I I was surprised. Probably shouldn't have been because they're right there. But Christian McCaffrey was there. Yeah. A lot of times the the players playing in the Super Bowl won't be be there. there. But so here's Christian McCaffrey. He came out to accept his piece of hardware as the best offensive player in 2023. Man, this is such an honor. Um First and foremost, I want to thank God. I feel so blessed to be standing up here right now. Um, I want to thank my family, my fiance. Uh, You guys know how much I love you. Your support means absolutely everything to me. All the sacrifices that you make for me, uh, it's not easy. And uh, it doesn't go unseen. And I'm not up here without you guys, so thank you. Um, To Jed, to John, to Kyle, the whole 49ers organization. uh, You guys took a gamble on me last year and traded for me. And... Um, I feel so fortunate to be a part of the best organization on the planet. So thank you guys so much for doing that and believing in me. Um, McCaffrey, that's a, re- that's a really cool story in that, I mean, when you consider the full circle that he grew up, his father, of course, Ed McCaffrey, starred on the Broncos teams that, mm-hmm. that uh, Mike Shanahan coached to Super Bowl, back-to-back Super Bowls. He grew up around that team. When did they, they were together before that, right? When they were together with the 49ers? Who? McCaffrey and, and Shanahan. Uh, when, when, when like the original Mike, McCaffrey, when Mike was an offensive coordinator. Yeah, he might have been. I believe they go way, way, way back. Ba- yeah, way, way back. Yeah, I believe they go way. That's, that's, that's kind of the whole thing is that these families have been like 
you know, intertwined yeah. forever. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey yeah. and, of course, Ed McCaffrey uh, and, and the Shanahans. And so they trade for him, and he becomes the missing piece. Yeah, he was, he was in San Fran in 94. Yeah, and when McCaffrey they won the Super Bowl. Was. Yeah, and, he, and, and when Shanahan went to Denver, he brought him with him. Yeah. He's like, nah, I like this guy. He knows how to run my offense. Take that's, that guy with me. That's right. Yeah. And then won, won two Super Bowls in Denver. Yeah. Uh, got over the hump there. And uh, so, yeah, he's grown up with the, with the Shanahans. And to make that trade, to make that move, to be the finishing piece, uh, I think it's pretty interesting. Now, I'll ask this question. Is he the, uh, is he the greatest white running back of all time, Ron? White wide receiver? White running back of all time. Oh, Christian McCaffrey? Yes. Oh. Does he um, go past John Riggins and Larry Zonka? Uh, that's a, Mike I mean, Allstott? I, I think he is. I think he is, right? I think he is. Because we were, we were watching the autos last night, and my wife said, who's is. that? And she, I said, it's Christian McCaffrey. He said, what does he do? Running back? He's a running back? <laughs> running back? What? They, what? Those exist? Like, yeah. It's the white rhino. I, I think you're right about that. I mean, I hadn't broken it down, but you're right. I guess i got to go back now through the deep history of the NFL because that's when you had more of your white running backs. Well, you got, um, you got Mike Allstott, Doak yep, Walker. Uh, yeah, see, you're going old school now. You're going way back. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's, that's where you got to go, though. Bronco Nagurski. There you Nagursky. go. Yeah. John Riggins, John Riggins, Riggo. John is, Riggins is probably the – because he won Super Bowls and won a Super Bowl MVP award. Is he considered the standard for he white running the, backs? He was the diesel, man. Really? He was the diesel. Okay. He, but, you know, Christian McCaffrey is, is freakishly talented, and he was even at Stanford. I remember he was a Heisman contender at Stanford. Remember when he was at Stanford, he did everything. He returned kicks. He returned yeah. punts. He was a running back. He was a receiver. He was unbelievable. Uh, but you know what's interesting, Rod, as, a, as an MVP, as a, and he almost, I mean, he was in the MVP vote too, Christian McCaffrey, but he wins the Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, and you know, Rod, you long lobbied for the white cornerback. Oh, yeah. White trying corner. To, trying to bring him back. He's coming back too. There's going to be a first round draft pick this yeah, year. It's yeah, it's going to be the kid from Iowa. De, Cooper DeJean. Kid out of Iowa, man. Cooper DeJean. Yeah, he's going to be a first round pick. He's going to be a good player. Yep. So it's, it, it's you know, my mission is accomplished. We got it done. <laughs> we got it done. We brought him back, baby. Cooper. Hey. This is uh, this is pretty funny. When you asked that, I was I looked up white running backs all time NFL, and the first thing that popped up was a Bleacher Report article from 2010 that's like Peyton Hillis on his way to become the greatest <laughs> white running back of all time. Oh, the Arkansas wow. running back. Yeah. Oh man, that's what I'm saying. We got to do more research. It's got to be before that. It had to be somebody better. And John Riggins would have been. Riggo. There's no way Allstar would have been approaching Riggins' status. Allstar was a fullback. Yeah, he's a fullback. Goal line runner. Yeah. I mean, Chris McCaffrey's the ultimate weapon in football right now. And you know this Cooper DeJean, DeJean we're going to talk about out of Iowa run. Cooper DeJean. This is no fluke here that he's going to be playing corner. You know that guy play, played at Iowa. But when he was in, in high school in the state of Iowa. Yeah, he's a freak athlete. He was a basketball player, mm-hmm. and he, he's a career points rank him only behind the NFL tight end TJ Hawkinson in the state of Iowa history. Oh, yeah. He also, uh, the, only, the only other players who scored more points in Iowa schoolboy history than Cooper DeJean, TJ Hawkinson, and Harrison Barnes, who's still playing in the NBA right now. That's pretty impressive. He was Is he also really? one, Yeah, yeah. He, he also uh, had the fastest 100-yard dash time of any runner in the state during his uh, time in high school. He's a superstar. Yeah, he's a great athlete. He was a quarterback coming out of high school, but chose playing, deep, playing defense at Iowa over playing quarterback at South Dakota State. So, yes, we're going to have a first-round white cornerback, right? So they're, they're full It's circle. happening, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't know how long that's been. I don't even know if they had white cornerbacks they're being drafted in the first round. <laughs> Jason Seahorn is the last one I can remember. Well, Rod, Rod, but I don't know if Jason Seahorn was drafted in the first round. I don't Ooh. think he was. I don't think he was. Is it? Is it? He was drafted in later the story on. that you took his job. I was drafted to replace Jason Seahorn. That is true. <laughs> yeah, the last white, the last white cornerback, that starting white cornerback, and then 
Obviously, they thought it would work out a little bit differently, but it did not. Yeah, he was drafted in second round. So he was drafted pretty high, 59th. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's pretty pretty high. All right. He went to he went to he went to Shasta first, and then went to USC. Shasta. Shasta. What is that? Right. I thought that was like a pop, Sh- public community pop. college. It's a public community college <laughs> in Redding, California. Wow. So even the white cornerback, you had to go to Shasta <laughs> first. Well, USC picked him up. Shasta CC. Man, that's yeah, man. crazy. That's awesome. All right, Lamar Jackson, MVP, Making 49 history. out of the 51st place vote. CMC, the uh, offensive player. Miles Garrett, that was a close vote. And as we said earlier, you know, Texans sweep rookie, rookies of the year. And uh, that's the second straight year that's happened. The Jets did it last year mm-hmm. with Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. Yep. <laughs> so the, you know, it's a back-to-back years that the rookies have been on the same team. And that means and, you've got to win executive of the year. And, and, and yeah, that and was to, the case. And I said this earlier, D'Amico Ryan's. If you look at the vote for with Kevin Stefanski, was a dead heat. It was 165 total points both, and all that separated it was one first place vote. Kevin Stefanski got 21. D'Amico Ryan's got 20, uh, or he would have been the coach of the year. So I'm, I'm going co-coach of the year. Co-coach of the year. That would have been great. They did that. They could have done that. Which which needs to make uh, Nick Casario the executive of the year. I think that's an mm-hmm. honor they give out. Like. At the winter meetings or something, once they when they all gather. Yeah, I don't know manager. when they give it out. They give it out because I I see it, but I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't give it out in, in yeah. this award ceremony. That seems so. That seems stupid. Well, it, I mean, this is your award ceremony. Why not have executive? Is, is it because maybe the other executives vote on it? I think that's how that goes. I think when they get like they do the GM meetings, the the okay. winter meetings or something, and then all the GMs are there and the owners, uh, they honor the the executive okay. of the year. But I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a Slam dunk. I mean, Brad Holmes in Detroit's going to get some love yeah, for what he he's done. Get some love, yeah. uh, but man, I mean, to to draft the, fir- the, the the both rookies of the year to hire a first year head coach who's rook- coach of the year essentially, uh, and then to to mm. get out from under the Deshaun Watson trade the way they did and, yep. and rebuild and restock and have all the cap space. That's why the Texans are seen as a rising stock right now, and Nick Casario deserves a lot of credit uh, for that right now. I agree. Uh, got a lot of things right. Because you can't get them all right, Rod. You're going to get something he, wrong. Man, he got more, way got more the, right than he got wrong. Got a lot of the heavy lifting right. I, you know what? I don't see there's not a lot that he's gotten wrong in like the last two years since Nick Casario started really putting his vision into place. Yeah, Because he, right. he's hit on a lot of those, those draft picks. He's hit on a lot of those guys, the mid-round draft picks. And but Worst pick he's made was Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M so in the middle far. of the first round. And yeah. that's really just because of an injury. Can't injury, stay healthy. I, say, yeah. I can't stay on the field. He looked like a – because I remember the Cowboys were high on Kenyon Green, too, yep. for an interior offensive lineman. And um, those guys usually, if you take one, they just play for 10 years and mm-hmm. you know, they're steady. Uh, Kenyon can't stay healthy right now for Houston. So that's true. And, and as I said, now the Houston Texans can build. And we oh, talked about man. this yesterday. Would Saquon Barkley be someone they go after? Because I mentioned this, that uh, Christian McCaffrey, he was the finishing touch for San Francisco. Saquon Barkley has a lot of the skill set and similar skill set to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and and Bobby Slowick was there when Christian McCaffrey showed up mm-hmm. and knows what he can do. That would be a nice piece. I mean, they'll have, they'll mm-hmm. have other suitors because the reports are that John, Jim Harbaugh with the Chargers is hot to trot on Saquon Barkley when they get oh, to the, I can see that. Yeah, because yeah. he wants to pound the rock. But Houston, man, uh, with that quarterback and uh, those pieces, that offensive line, Saquon Barkley could be a – a problem for the AFC. Yeah, and I, I wonder because he's the closest thing to Christian McCaffrey as far as a running back goes. Yes, and both of them had injury, had injury issues, and I will say that Christian McCaffrey the last two years has been able to avoid the injury concerns. I don't know if it's the way they're utilizing him or what, but that was a big issue, and never seen Christian McCaffrey stay this healthy this late recently. Yeah, I think he just didn't want to play for the Panthers. <laughs> That could be us. Also, could be that the case. That was a pretty bad yeah. team on his way out. And I will also say that he is engaged to Miss Universe or a former Miss Universe, so that can't hurt either. Uh, yeah. Well, 
Well, in terms of their injuries? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean this, this big, as far as living life. Oh, okay, living yeah, the dream. Yeah, yeah. MVP, Super Bowl. Make you want to miss more time, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, he's yeah. You know, engaged to a former Miss Universe. I mean, there are worse, worse roles. They've been together for a long time, too. Yeah, Olivia Culpo. They've been together for a little while, I thought. Olivia, yeah. Yeah, I've been wondering why he hadn't put a ring on it. Maybe he's waiting on the Super Bowl ring first. Well, and by the way, speaking of that, I think i, I got to look up this story. Maybe this is an off-the-record story, but Olivia Culpo she pulled some strings because I remember seeing a story where the McCaffreys weren't going to be able to – they didn't have the cash to buy a suite for the Super Bowl because they wanted you know, the McCaffrey suite. They, they're, she's like, we don't have that kind of money. Are you kidding me? They get a suite at the Super Bowl. They're like a like million dollars. And uh, apparently Olivia Culpo pulled it off. Like somehow she pulled Oh, she like raised the money? Yeah, got him in a suite or got a suite. Oh. I don't know how it worked. I got to get the details. But Miss, Miss Universe got the McCaffreys in. Hey, kind of like you, Rod. Good you know, who you, you know, man. It is about who you know. Trust me. <laughs> uh, but no, they've been together since 2019. Yeah, so they, good for them. They've been together a little while. All right. So we hey, got, so, so we got uh, subplots. So while we're talking about the awards last night, I know y'all said that you were surprised that Joe Flacco won Comeback Player of the Year. You know what really surprised me last night? What's that? It was the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Not, not that C.J. Stroud won it, because I thought he would win it, but he got 48 of the 50 first-place votes. I figured Puka Nakua would get a little bit more love than that with all the, all the records he broke this year. Yeah, it's just a quarterback position. That's all it is. I mean, they were both record setters well, at their I mean, position, but quarterback gets more attention. Well, look, I mean, C.J. Stroud got 48 first-place votes, two second-place votes. Puka, Puka Nakua got two First place votes and forty eight second place votes. Yeah. It was one of those two. So they yeah. just I mean they, they went quarterback over receiver. Yeah. Both had record setting rookie years they for just, their position. Yeah, it, it, you may you may argue that Pukas was more impressive or something. You could argue that I guess, but most people it's just these days we're quarterback centric. Yeah, well, no y'all, remember, y'all remember in twenty sixteen when, when it was Dak and Zeke's rookie year and they like yep. cut the cut the trophy yep. in half, gave it to both of them? If there was yes. any year to do that, it would have been this year. I feel like with with those two, yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah, you could argue that, but man, the NFL wants to push quarterbacks. They love when there's a new superstar quarterback for an organization that basically becomes a savior for that organization, and that's what CJ is for the Texans. He's their savior. Um, Puka's not that. Yeah, good the point. They just won a Super Bowl. You know, Matt Stafford came there and helped them win a Super Bowl. They got Sean McVay. He's not the savior. The savior of the organization right now is CJ Stroud. Well, and, and, and so that's what it is. And sure, that's a good point, though, bro. Puka Nakua is uh, you know playing the deepest position in football in the game at any level, and CJ Stroud's playing the most difficult and the hardest to find. So mm-hmm. when he plays like he does, as a, he looks like a five-year veteran as a rookie, uh, he's going to get that vote. All right, good stuff right there. We'll come back when we do. We'll go at the turn. We'll be halfway through uh, our five-hour conversation. Plus, Rod will take us behind the burn orange, cur- cur- burn orange curtain. And at the turn, Rod, a PGA Tour player had to withdraw from the tournament because he missed his tee time. Missed his tea time. What? Details coming. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. Indeed, as we said, tomorrow, noon to four, they're going to have live music out of Callahan's General Store on the parking lot there, the uh, Zydeco Band. Uh, getting ready for Mardi Gras, Rod. Getting ready for oh, yeah. the, the festivities of next Tuesday into Wednesday. Of course, mm-hmm. Fat Tuesday. How about that Fat Tuesday on Valentine's Day? Oh, how often does that happen? Uh, rare. Hmm. <laughs> Obviously, Fat Tuesday coincides with the well, beginning of Lent. And, uh, yeah, here we go. 
here we go. We're going uh, Zydeco Music big this weekend out at uh, at the uh, the Callahan's General Store. While you're picking up all the supplies that you need, go go check it out. And they usually have food going on and all kinds of great stuff at Callahan's. And the band is. Uh, we see it's Charles Thibodeau and the Cajun Aces. The Cajun Aces. I've seen them. We have our neighborhood. We have a big uh, crawfish boil in April, during March, nice. April, and they always come play that. Uh, they're a great band. Go check them out. Hey, Rod, the um, <laughs> you buying this? So uh, a, a PGA Tour golfer who has played in and teed off in 520 events on the PGA Tour. Okay, Lucas Glover. Lucas Glover missed his tee time at 8:26 local time out in Phoenix yesterday or Scottsdale. Missed his tee time. He says he just misread the text message from PGA Tour officials because you get a text of your tee time. Okay, I He says you. he misread it at TPC Scottsdale. What, he, what did he think it was? He didn't say much. Oh, he okay. said, I misread it. So, or, you know, Scottsdale Road. Staying. Well, too, part, too, too much partying going on? If it was a younger guy, you might think that this guy's played a lot. I think he's won a major, Lucas Glover, right? Okay. Uh, 826. He missed it. He missed it. So now got to withdraw from the tournament. You're out. Do not. Oh, you missed a tee time. You're done. You're done. You're oh, done, Oh, there's no way. Okay. Yeah, wow. you're out. Uh, you, well, you, can't, you can't make up those holes, obviously. So he's out. And uh, so you know, we, a lot That's of guys, so Sandra Schauffele pulled out of this tournament. And uh, uh, so, yeah. But, and the weather not good out at Scottsdale. You're used to this being the big party. The, it was raining yesterday. Wind's blowing. Weather's been a mess in the West. Even if you're watching the, the coverage of the Super Bowl right mm-hmm. up the road, it's, you, better, you, you better take a coat rod. It's been cold in, uh, in the desert. So. Oh, yeah, man. Check the weather if you're when you're headed out there to the Super Bowl this weekend. Uh, also, from golf, Tiger Woods has confirmed that he will be playing in the 2024 Genesis Invitational coming oh, up at Riviera Tiger, Country Tiger, Club. Tiger Woods, yo. Yeah. Well, uh, that's his tournament, correct? I mean, he hosts that. That's the tournament at which afterwards he had the car wreck in the Genesis. Remember? Oh. Yes. Oh. Yeah, the Genesis Invitational. Mm. Now, he, Tiger, can he – well, he doesn't have to walk the course, though, does he? Yes, he does. Will he? Yeah, he will. I don't know if he can still walk a course. For uh, he can for for certainly eighteen and usually thirty six. But the problem with Tiger is by by seventy two holes by by Sunday. He's in the final round yeah. if he makes it there. Well, and what Tiger has talked done. about is the trouble he has is, you know, uh, you know, golfers will play eighteen holes and then they'll go to the range and beat balls yeah, for yeah. an hour to yeah. work on some things that weren't working. And Tiger says he, you know, he certainly hadn't been able to do that. Can't do that. You, you know, you, yeah. It's, good, it's enough to get through 18 holes. It's too much wear and tear. And then he's got to go straight back and do the rehab. Now, I think he's, he's, he's progressed from there because he's talked about how he doesn't have pain anymore. It's really just about, you know, the movement and the other, just, just the wear and tear. But, um, you know, he walked 72 holes. Uh, a rejuvenated Woods walked 72 holes in competition for the first time in 2023 at this tournament last year. Okay. So we'll see. And this is a, he hosts this tournament. So uh, Tiger Woods right. confirmed. That's in a couple of weeks there. In, uh, There'll always be big news. L.A., California. Tiger decides to play again. But, no, nah, no, nah, I think we're, we're – so. T- but Tiger's days of being a golfer that can win any major is done, right? I think the next time we see Tiger hoisting trophies will be yes, in a couple of years when he's 50 and he joins the Champions Tour. Yeah, there you go. That makes sense. And he joins the Champions Tour. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. that's a three-round event and they can drive carts. There you go. That makes sense. They won't wear. They won't be worn out by yeah, the final round. That's exactly right. Still have some left. Yeah, that you'll start. He may. He may show up and dominate the Champions Tour when he because he got to be fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he gets to that deal, look out. I mean, he's gonna be. A, he's gonna be a young. Buck. Be mad about it too. He'll be a young buck among <laughs> them old men. Then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then guess what? Guess what's gonna get really popular? The Champions Tour. Oh, because Tiger's on. Damn right. <laughs> yeah. I, don't think I, I mean, I don't even know what's the major events on the Champions Tour. Uh, they got the the champion. They got the U.S. Open, and they I, I don't know. The oh, their own version one. of everything. Yeah, they got it's a majors. champions version of it. But okay. you know, Tiger's showing up to wreck shop. 
But that's not you don't get you don't get that don't, those majors don't count though. You went on no juniors. no no yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. no but the, but even, you know TV networks don't care if you're gonna put Tiger Woods on TV. That's true. They don't care. We're doing it. They just, <laughs> they just need some names, some recognizable names. And well, Phil did it known. for a while before he went to live, and there are some pretty big names of you know, former golfers on the tour, but not Tiger Woods, obviously. All right, let's get to uh, that's gonna wrap up the at the turn halfway through our Friday conversation headed into Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Brought to you by Callahan's General Store. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's uh, get into a little bit of uh, a Super Bowl-related conversation since obviously a lot of this discussion is about the Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and the 49ers. But I want to talk about the influence that this uh, Shanahan offense has had on Sark. Sark has openly admitted his admiration for the Shanahan coaching tree. He's talked about how he went you know, to, to L.A. to study Sean McVay's offense. Uh, he's admitted that he and Kyle Shanahan are really good friends and talks to him all the time about ideas and offensive philosophy. Uh, he's admitted that uh, you know, Matt LaFleur is one of his uh, other favorite coaches, anybody on that Mech Shanahan coaching tree. And he's admitted that he steals ideas, right? I steal ideas. I steal concepts from the best offenses in football at the NFL and the pro level. And when he followed Shanahan in Atlanta, I think it really crystallized a lot of the, the, the viewpoints uh, that they share in common uh, in terms of their offensive ideology. And I think that's when uh, Sark really became uh, an, an admirer of the offense. He's not from the Shanahan coaching tree, but he's an admirer of it. And there are certain concepts, certain uh, vital kind of core of vital, uh, just uh, different ideas that they share. That that, and I think Sark has used those ideas, and he's implemented them in his offense now. And I think they are becoming staples of his offense now. Uh, one of them is we talk about this all the time. is pre-snap motion. Pre- Sark loves pre-snap motions and shifts, and he uses it in a variety of ways. Shanahan was probably the biggest innovator. Uh, in the NFL when it came to pre-snap motions and shifts, using them in a number of ways, and then coming up with their own creative shifts and creative types of motion. Mike McDaniel just did one this year. They called it, some people call it a cheat motion, some people call it a cheetah motion, and we saw Sark use it as well, where you get the wide receiver running parallel to the line of scrimmage um, and, run, and getting a running start while the ball is snapped. So at the time of the snap, the wide receiver is already in motion, but in motion parallel to the line of scrimmage, but it gives them a running start. Sark has used it. Everybody across the NFL has used it, but it came from Mike McDaniel. Once again, it came from that Shanahan coaching tree. And Steve Young recently has been breaking down a lot of different concepts from uh, the Mike Shanahan and now the uh, Kyle Shanahan offense. And he was talking about motion and what it does for the offense and what it does for the quarterback specifically. Here is Steve Young, if you can have this, Brock, please. Here is Steve Young talking about the advantages to motion, so much of it from that Shanahan offense. He uses motion a lot. And in motion, motion makes a defense speak to you. Yeah. He wants as much information out of you before he snaps the football. He'll do it with formation. He'll do it with different people in different spots. He asks his players, 
Christian McCaffrey, can you line up at receiver? Yes. Yeah. Can you line up in the slot? Yes. Can you line up off the line at tight end? Can you line up in the eye? Can you line? And because of that, he can now, because defenses all go like, where's Christian McCaffrey? Okay. Oh, I got to do certain things when I see that. So he has the defense speak to you yes. and give you as much information as you possibly can get from them before the line, before the snap. And what is Brock Purdy's best quality? Taking all that information, give that to me because every inch of that I'm going to make you pay. Yeah, and that's you know that's kind of what it's about. He wants you to have to reveal the rules of the defense, and once he knows the rules of the defense, he can violate those rules. Sark does a really good job of this too. That's one of the other staples I think they share in common. And I was recently listening to all these great, obviously, audio from Super Bowl Row. I think it was Rashad White. He was uh, a running back. Uh, Rashad White, he's a running back with Tampa, I believe. Yes, with Tampa. And he, um, he was talking about how they stole some of the Shanahan motion concepts. And he found out why they do it. And at first, he said, you know, he was a little bit ignorant to it, but then found out the advantages of using that motion. Just from the running back position, here is Rashad White. Have you noticed that little shuffle motion they do with McCaffrey? Yeah, yeah. What is that? <laughs> so the biggest thing about that, and I was talking to him, my coach, Skip Pete, my first year with him. Yeah. And, like, I was started killing in the pass game so much, and he was like, he was telling me, because I didn't know what that was either. I thought they was just doing it, like I said, just to do it. Just so for viewers, basically they'll have McCaffrey in the backfield, and then he just sort of, like, yeah, just shuffle out, like just hop out. Five, yeah, so it's just kind of, hop it's out. A, it's an unconventional pre-snap. So Coach Canales, uh, he started putting plays in certain things for us. So the biggest thing for him, they don't want if it's a free release, they don't want him to get touched. Right. So when you ask it like that, sometimes defensive ends are taught and they see you because you got to do a little art coming out. Mm-hmm. So they see you sometimes defensive end, they they taught to just chip you, chip the running back. Right. So the biggest thing for that shuffle, obviously, is to get him to not get tipped by the running back. So he has a lot of momentum, too, when the ball is snapped to just be able to go. And then, obviously, that's the biggest thing. Like, you want to be able to hit a linebacker full speed and things like that because now he got to guess which way you're going to go on a lot of things. See? I mean, it's, a, it's all leverage. It's, a, it's all finding ways to get the defense to reveal what their responsibilities and obligations are. Uh, and then get them basically ultimately to violate whatever their roles and responsibility, violate the rules, the structural integrity of the defense. And Sark, I said, Sark does a really good job too. That's what the shifts in the motions are all about. If you look at the top four teams in the NFL in motion rate, uh, it's Miami, it's the Rams, it's San Fran, it's Green Bay. I mean, they're all above 64% motion rate. And I think Sark actually is a little low considering he's he's an admirer of that coaching tree and considering how all of those offenses have weaponized motion, he uses it about 55% of the time. That's a little low. I think this year you could see Sark take that to 60 65%. I mean, he could even be go as high as 70%, and I think he would do himself a huge favor because I wouldn't track targets to motion, which is anytime you target a player who was in motion at the time of the snap or prior to the snap, been tracking it for three years. Guys, it is it's one of the most successful passing concepts that Sark can use. Averaging over 10 yards per attempt last year, 78% completion percentage in 2022. Same thing, 10 yards per attempt, over 80% completion percentage. In 2021, you think it falls off? No. You still get 8.4 yards per attempt, 81% completion percentage anytime you target a player who was in motion prior to the snap or at the time of the snap. So that is a, a Shanahan staple that has now become a Sark staple. And I think when he was 
forced to dive into the dive down the rabbit hole and really learn as much as he could about the Shanahan offense after following him in uh, in Atlanta. And Dan Quinn said, I don't want to change too much of the offense. I want a lot of it to stay the same. Sark really challenged himself to be able to morph and mold that offense and try to get basically put his own spin his own cover version of a Shanahan offense that season, and it was really compelling. I went back and watched film of it, too. It's fascinating. One of the other fascinating things is Shano uses more two-back sets than anybody else in the league. 40% of the time, 21 or 22 personnel. Two backs, one tight end, two backs, two tight ends. And how the hell, if you're, if you're Sark and you've got a pro-spread offense with a West Coast passing game, how do you morph those two ideas when you don't have a lot of two-tailback sets or two-back sets, period? Now, Shano uses a fullback, a traditional fullback, and Sark decided to use more of the pony package, two tailbacks. That was his spin on it, and it actually worked out pretty well. He used Tevin Coleman, uh, Devontae Freeman as his two tailbacks, and that pony package is something that Sark has built on since he got here in Texas. Ironically, he ended up with the best running back uh, room in the country to help him uh, weaponize uh, that package, and then he brought in a guy like Brandon Marion with a go-go offense, which is a two-tailback offense with a West Coast passing game and a triple option run game, and I believe the way that Sark Mark, uh, basically the way he intertwined the offenses, the way that he decided to, to meld them and morph them was through the West Coast passing game because that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the commonality, right? That is the, the, the similar uh, core, uh, core principle that, they, that both of those offenses had in common was that both of them were West Coast passing games. So you start there, and then you start building on the similar concepts. And honestly, that's where Brennan Marion's go-go offense and Sark's offense were able also to morph is because they're both West Coast passing games. I think that's where it started, too. So Sark hasn't run more pony package, but he needs to because it is his most effective, most explosive, and most efficient personnel grouping to date since he's been here at Texas. Nothing has been more effective than the pony package, and a lot of that, a lot of those ideas originally came from trying to transition that Atlanta offense from Shannon's offense to his offense, and he had to go down the rabbit hole to find out what are the commonalities, what are the common traits of these offenses so that I can combine a lot of the characteristics. And I think we've seen that come to fruition in several ways. So that's another way. Uh, we talked about condensed and compressed sets uh, yesterday, but Sark used a lot of condensed and compressed sets too. Uh, the, the 49ers lead the NFL in condensed and compressed sets. And that and it's crazy. My boy Shannon said when he first got into coaching, everything was out of spread sets. Every diagram when you were watching film, bringing down everything started with the spread. And essentially, he just bucked the trend. And that's also another way I think that Sark wanted to combine the the core principles of the offenses. Those condensed and compressed sets make you less predictable. Uh, they dictate terms because DBs have to play outside leverage. They're usually going to put another guy in the box. You force cornerbacks have to be forced run defenders. It allows you to DBs have to play off coverage because they don't want to get picked or up. It allows you to dictate terms, and that's what Sark wants to do constantly: dictate terms. Always be uh, the basically the one that is dictating. The the tempo and and being able to force defense to react to you and force them to be reactionary rather than you react to the defense. Good stuff. Rod Babers behind the burn orange curtain, how uh, Sark will use uh, his offense, similar to what you'll see on Sunday with uh, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers and all those weapons. All right, we'll come back. When we do, it's off the record time. We've got uh, some interesting stories, Rod, including uh, – Oh, man, uh, we've got some surveys. We've got some surveys we've got to get to. Uh-oh. And off the record, coming next, hook up with Ian Rodby. D.D. 
Magadudu, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get to break my head cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, it is uh, off the record time. There you go, Rod. Five tips for an awesome Super Bowl party. <laughs> Theme your party like Kansas City have uh, Kansas City barbecue and San Francisco have some. Uh, you know, gotta gotta have themes. Themes. Gotta have themes. Gotta have themes. Yeah. That's why Kansas I don't like City parties. Bar- right. have themes. Come on. Because <laughs> Kansas City, Football. you can do barbecue. Why? Uh, San Francisco, you could do like intravenous drug use or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, play party games like pin the pin the mustache on Andy Reid. Take a shot every time the camera cuts to uh, Jason Kelsey or Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Yeah, yeah, that got to do those kind of things. Might be a little tipsy sometimes. You're doing that. Got to do that. Um, got to do that. Yeah, because uh, I'm just not a Super Bowl party guy. I wish I was because people love it, but I just can't do it. Can't do it. Too focused on the game. Uh, me too. That's why I, that's what I said my wife and I disagreed. I wanted the party to start at three thirty, and so by five thirty, I can just focus on and the is, game. Is that happening? Uh, you know, you don't know. She's we agreed on like four. Oh, uh, compromise. That's marriage. <laughs> That's marriage. Compromise. That's because uh, you know. But I, but I told some of my boys to come on over about three thirty. But it doesn't start sharp, right? Don't they do like the, don't they start like the national anthem and then like the yeah they start they got a, a banner. They do yeah, a lot of stuff. Starts at five thirty, but yeah, they do all the lead up and so it's the, the watching begins about five o'clock. Yeah, uh, I got a have, uh, I got a good drinking game for y'all. What's that? Take a shot every time uh, Tony Romo says, "I don't know, Jim." I don't know. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't actually. You, you, I don't do shots. That's not happening. Uh, <laughs> too old for that. But you got to. I He's gave that old. up in too my wise 20s, for in that. My early twenties. Yeah. They um. You do, uh, but you got to get your Super Bowl score squares done. Ready. You got to get everything ready. Yeah, That's you when you ready. when you visit and eat and stuff is before the game. Then when the game starts, you're on. You're watching the game. I know, uh, but that's not been for what I've been told. I've told people like to socialize during the game, not talk me. about commercials. That's why I talk got TVs about, in yeah. three rooms. Yes, this see? is the watching room. It is considered rude to leave your own party to go watch a football game. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> Still happening. What do you have, Rod? And off the record. Uh, okay, so this actually is a viral clip that made its way around the internet. I believe earlier this week, uh, Tulsa head coach Kevin Wilson. Apparently was uh, doing a he was doing a media availability. I think it was signing day. He was doing a media availability about the the latest uh, recruiting class they signed, and he was talking about how um, they signed one of the top recruiting classes in their school's history, and they did it with zero money for NIL, basically, yep. like no money for NIL. And he he basically went as far as to read a text message or a text exchange he was having with a prospective student athlete. About NIL, here is the audio of the head coach, Kevin Wilson of Tulsa. So here's a great text message right here. Typical in first questions is, what do you get? I go, you'll get nothing like it. That's what they said, and that's what they told Spalding, right? From a guy saying, hey, co- hey coach, just asking, um, um, you know, about money. I'm not a money-hungry person, don't need a ton of money. Uh, but this is a transfer. I've been getting about six to seven K a month. I got three dogs and a girlfriend. So what do you think I'll get there? And I said, the first thing you need to do is drop the dogs, and I'm not sure about the girl. <laughs> I, go, I go, we'll explain our incentive-based plan that we use is based on academic success. 
not allocating any, any NIL funds. We're starting it now, and we'll have a clear direction if and when we get anything. But I have not and will not promise anything until I know for sure what I got. I'll discuss you on a visit how we do our academic base plan. Wow. There you go. Man, drop the girl. Drop the dog. Drop the dogs. That's pretty mean-spirited, man. Just the dogs will be more loyal than the girl most of the time. We'll pick that up on the next yeah. hour because I do think there's That's an interesting conversation about uh, you know, recruiting at that level. Uh, all right, Rod, a couple of surveys you need to know about. Because you ever heard the old phrase that, like, uh, S-E-X is like pizza, like sex is like pizza? Even when it's, it's good, it's bad? Yeah, it's, never, it's pizza. Yeah. You know, it might be not the best you've ever Even had, but it's bad, still damn it's pizza. Yeah, it's bad, so I've it's got good. a survey on both right here. <laughs> yeah. So on pizza, today is National Pizza Day. Today is National Pizza Day. So with your teeth, are you able to eat pizza, Rod, you think, maybe with a knife and a fork? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure. It's a good question. Uh, it good is, question. So the uh, survey says – that uh, 26% of people eat their pizza with a knife and a fork, at least sometimes. My wife 19% does. never eat the crust. Mm, I never eat the crust. And 0% of the survey says they never eat pizza. So, you know, good for them. Yeah. Do no, you, I don't eat crust either. Do you fold it? No, don't fold you the pizza. You fold the piece? And I, don't, and I don't eat the crust. My wife does use, uh, she does use a knife. And a fork at times. And it's something to do with, like, her dental stuff. I got it. She's yeah, got some we, dental work You don't want to bite down on the front. Yeah, it's something, something going on with her. So, yeah, I, that's, you're right. I, I never thought about it, but you're right about that. Can uh, I ask I, uh, some clarification on the knife and fork? What if the toppings fall off the pizza and then you use a fork to eat the, the toppings fine. that fell that's off? Fine. Does that count? Yeah, I mean, really the question is you pick it up in your hand and eat it. Yeah, like I don't, my my pizzas are never that extravagant though, so I don't ever have that many toppings where they fall off. I'm pretty much a pepperoni sausage. sausage and a cheese guy. That's it for me my too. Pizza. I, I, mushrooms I don't want anything I'm else. good with. Mm-mm, nope, I don't want I'm vegetables good. on my I'm, pizza. I'm with you, um, but I do like mushrooms. But I'm good. But sausage and pepperoni be the be the. That's just the, me. That's me. Yeah, I'm I'm plain Jane when it comes to my pizza. By the way, the crust. You know what I do? I don't. I I then dip them in like in like some some ranch. At the end, and that becomes uh, like a second piece. Yeah, see, I don't do ranch. I don't I do love, white, oh, you don't do I don't white, white condiments. condiments at all. So, uh, on the uh, on the pizza like sex kind of thing, here's a <laughs> yes, survey on uh, on sex related injuries. Rod, number one, sex related injury people have suffered back mm, carpet burn. Sixty-five percent of people carpet burn. Carpet burn. Get on the bed or on a couch. Varieties of spice of life. What uh, carpet bru- burn? Bruises, fifty-four percent. Pulled muscle, 39%. Okay. All right. UTI, 23%. You could look it up. Back injury, 16%. Oh, I thought there were more back injuries out there. Hmm. Uh, all the way down to number nine is the always fun penis fracture. Penis fracture. Oh, yeah. 3%. Dennis Rodman did that like three different times. A friend of mine here in the hood did that. Did he really? Yeah, he was. It was not. It's not pretty. Don't yeah. ask him about it. Oh, yeah. He's coming to my Super Bowl party, so I'm not asking him about it. Ooh, and once you do it once, I think it makes you susceptible to it happening oh, again. Oh, really? Yeah. I think <laughs> oh, I'm telling him yeah. that. No, it does. I'm telling him that. Yeah. Because it's more fragile. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what Dennis Rodman said anyway. It's happened like three times to him. He broke his junk. I'm telling him. You say I'm carpet burn was the number one injury? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Come on. Y'all just lazy. Get off the floor and get on a bed. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, sometimes. You know, Carpet burn on the face or what? I think the knees, oh. knees and elbows <laughs> oh. probably the most common. We'll be back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.